I'm so thankful that God's here because I can't drum stuff up this morning and that's not my job. We are, we're getting towards the end of our stewardship series now and I hope you'd agree, it has been fantastic. It's provoked change in so many people that I've heard of as we've considered so many different topics and the fact God has put us here to steward so much stuff. And this morning, I get to bring us to our penultimate um, part of this series, and we're going to be considering what it means to steward the earth. But my job this morning, like I said, is not to, is not to do this. <laughs> my job is not to give you a list of things to beat you over the head with that you should be doing. This is how you should steward the earth. Bang, bang, bang. That's not my job. I believe God is here. And I believe that word about humility is key this morning. Because actually, as we come under this broad picture of the earth, I want God to impact our hearts this morning. Next week, we're going to be zooming in on particularly climate change and how that is affecting this earth. But this week, I want us to think about our heart's position before God. And I'm so pleased that that's exactly what this morning's worship time has done. God has come and said, will you humble yourself before me? And that's where we're going. Because as I challenge our hearts, and as we look broadly at the earth, we're doing so in light of today's passage. And it's this, it comes from Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. I'll say it again, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And in order to go big picture and think like this, I'm going to suggest this morning's a bit like making a sandwich. We've got a friend who's from Canada, and she's like, what is it with you Brits and your cold lunches and your obsession with making sandwiches? Well, I'm sorry, my friend. But this morning, the analogy fits, so we're going there. Because we need to make a sandwich thinking of history past, history future, and then slapping that filling in the middle as we think about where we are at right now. We need to take one slice of bread and ask the question, who is it who made this earth? We also need to consider, who is it who will end this earth? So then we can put the filling in the middle, otherwise it gets messy and there's no context for asking the question, do we have a responsibility to steward this earth? So let's go there. If the Lord is the earth, sorry, if the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, then who made it? We're asking this question because ownership's important this morning. And I can tell you that back in the day, there was no IKEA flat pack earths that God could just pull out off the shelf. So we head instead to the Bible for our answer. And you don't have to go far. You open that first page to the first book of the Bible, to the first verse of the Bible. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Have you ever made something? Have a look at this. I know what you're thinking. Or maybe not right now. Can we have the next slide, Hudson, maybe? Nice one. Thanks, mate. I know what you're thinking. It probably cost a fortune. Where did he get something like that? Well, if you can see my tedious link coming, I made that, just the coat rack, not the baskets on top, I'm not that skilled, 
We needed a coat rack. I found a piece of wood in the loft, and I turned it into that. It may not look spectacular, but I want to tell you there is a difference between this and if I was to buy exactly the same thing that was mass-produced from somewhere else. I care about this one. We moved house, and it came with us. If we move again, it will come with us again. And I'm sorry to my wife, but if it doesn't fit with the style of the hallway, it will go up on the wall. Why is that? It's because I care about it. I measured it. I cut it. I screwed it together. I poured something of myself into it. In the beginning, God made the heavens and this earth. God made it. He created each plant. He dreamt up every animal. He figured out just how far from the sun we needed to be so that we could have the perfect temperature. He mixed up the gases in our atmosphere so that we could breathe. He separated the sea from the land so that, you know, when you spend too long in the bath and you get that pruning thing on your fingers? So that wouldn't happen all the time because he knew we needed to live on land. He gave us day and night so that creatures could rest. He set the seasons in place so that at times it would be sunny and the crops would grow and produce fruit. And at times it would rain and the land would rest. I could go on and on, but let me make this observation. God is invested in this earth. It wasn't off the shelf it wasn't mass-produced production. It was bespokely handcrafted by our Father God. And it was made for, well, that's a good question. The Sunday school and right answer is that it was created to bring glory and praise to God himself. Everything God has created is designed to bring glory to him. That's why he created planets, he created stars, he created black holes, he created weird, amazing space dust cloud things that I don't understand. He made animals that make all sorts of weird noises and made weird-looking fish that he's confined to the depths of the sea so they don't freak us out. But those are all different. Because whilst those things and creatures in and of themselves bring worship to Creator God... He then went on to make something quite different in his creation. Genesis 1 verse 26 tells us this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Different to the whole of creation, you'll notice. God made this planet and this ecosystem to house us, his image bearers. And if, if his image bearers are here and he cares about every aspect of their life, do you think he's invested and cares about this earth? We're going to pick that theme up again soon. But we've just looked at history past and right now we need to jump to the other end and we need to look at history future. Who will end this? Have you ever dreamt about living somewhere else? 
every, <laughs> there's a little, little murmur in the room, every summer I almost always have a conversation with my wife that goes a little bit along the lines of, wouldn't it be nicer if we could move somewhere that's nearer the equator? Somewhere where you get a lot more sunshine like it's sunny right now, year round. That would be brilliant. And in winter, I normally have the conversation of, why don't we move to Norway? At least then, this is my personal opinion, you endure the hard cold, you get reward with snow, you get beautiful snow-capped mountains, and you get to live in this beautiful place. But the truth of the matter is, the world isn't perfect wherever you live. I joke with gripes about weather as an Englishman, but what about when we hear headlines, like the fact that 11 million tons of plastic are heading into our ocean each year. The alarming rate that we are losing 6 to 10 million hectares per year of forest in our world. The overintensive farming methods used with crops and with animals where land is not given the appropriate time it needs to rest and recover to continue to yield its harvest. Or the US Supreme Court this week blocking the Environment Agency over there from being able to progress some of its plans to keep cutting their emissions in the US. Or how about the World Health Organization saying that drought caused by the drying up of essential water sources is leading to about 55 million people being affected every year. This earth is no longer perfect. And the world will end. I think that's a fairly universally accepted and believed statement. I don't think you'd find too many people who disagree with that. But it doesn't bring much hope. However, Christians have the best view of what is coming through the Bible. And for that, we need to turn to 1 Peter. We turn to 1 Peter 3 verse 10 and we're told this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. It's all rather bleak. There's not much hope going on right now. So where does it come from? It comes a few verses later in verse 13 where we read, But in keeping his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. What an incredible hope that as wrong as the earth seems to be going and seems to go in that direction, God will once again pour out his creativity into this earth and it will be made right and we will live how God intended for us to live on the earth. The earth will function in its perfect form and we will understand what could have been if the fall had not occurred and what will then continue to be forevermore. It's a glorious picture and therefore as a Christian we must never give up hope because after all, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and heaven is our true home. We're just passing through. So actually, if God's going to bring it all to an end anyway, who cares? Since the fall, everything's been decaying. 
Why do I need to steward it? These are statements and the kind of things that I've heard at various points throughout my Christian life. And in some ways, there are aspects of truth to each of those statements. But I would suggest that we now need to put the filling in this sandwich. And we need to keep exploring this a lot more. Because as we've seen, God will restore this earth. It will come to an end. So is there any instruction for us to steward this earth? And just as I explore who should steward this place, I just want to say, the statistics I gave a moment ago, they're not to scare This morning isn't like, let's wheel the youngest elder, no offense guys, let's wheel the youngest elder out to address some sort of woke current issue. But instead, I've given some facts which can be disputed, they could be countered, they could be pulled apart, I'm sure, and questioned. But now we look at the truth. We look at the truth written down in the Bible as his instructions to us regardless of the facts. So let's return to that question that we asked at creation. Why did God make the earth? Why did God put mankind here? What was the point in all of us coming? To bring glory and worship to God. Yes, we've already established that. But how? How can us, God's image bearers, bring worship to him? So let's pick up back in Genesis and read on. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. But why? How can we bring glory to God? So that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, and the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Let's keep going. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Then we jump to Genesis 2 where we continue to read the creation account. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. Why not? For the Lord God had not sent rain and there was no one to work the ground. Verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. I think that's fascinating. That verse in Genesis 2, Genesis 2 verse 5, God made the world with the capacity for plant life and yet he didn't send the rain yet. Why not? because there was no one to work the ground. Can you start to see the biblical mandate that is given to us, that is given to humanity to care for and steward this earth? 
I'm aware I've just thrown loads of scriptures out. So let's, let's go back. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull four phrases out which instruct us in terms of stewarding this earth. And these four phrases boil down to this. We are instructed to rule over the animals, to fill the earth and subdue it, to work it and to care for it. Andy, I don't need to do these things because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Yes, but don't these phrases sound anything like stewardship to you? Absolutely, they do to me. And we have to hold these two things in tension. The earth is the Lord's, yes, but he has asked us to play our part in stewarding this earth. And the best way of me describing this is thinking about uh, renting a property. And I know this analogy has pitfalls, but I'm not talking about conventional renting. Our, our neighbours moved from where we live over to an estate in the Purbex. And they, they, they have a very different kind of rental agreement. They pay next to nothing by way of rent. And they've got some stupidly long lease, like 25 years, that they can stay in that property. But there's a snag. Unlike other rental properties, they have to deal with that property. If the roof blows off, they have to replace it. If the boiler breaks, they have to fix it. I think you get the idea. God has said, I give this place to you. Care for it. Work it. It's ours. If we overfish a river and there are no fish left, I would suggest that's on us. If we buy food products without any thought for where they've come from and therefore the toll it takes potentially on different places, that's on us. If we pump emissions into the atmosphere when we could have used alternatives, I would suggest that's on us. We hold it in tension. God is not aloof. I need to say that. He is sovereignly ruling and reigning. And we can pray. We can pray for his intervention. But make no mistake, he has asked us to take good care of this place. He has asked us to steward the earth. These are not like words. And they're not something that we can just ignore either. Did you notice the repetition that occurred in terms of working the earth? The Bible wants us to know that. When there's repetition, it's reinforcing something. Work the earth, it says. Work it, keep it. All these words which have very similar meanings, wrapped up, repeated, repeated, repeated. This is an instruction for us to take seriously. As well as the fact, this is the opening scene of humanity. I didn't really think about that too much, but... If you actually stop and think, the first thing I probably expected God to do was kind of say, I am God. Bow down and worship me. Put your face in the earth and worship me for all your days. Stay down there because I am God. But what's the first instruction God gives mankind? He says, work this earth and take care of it. That's how we worship our creator God. And that's significant. One of our members 
at our Southbourne site was willing to share how this biblical mandate has impacted her heart and has led her to take action. So right now, we are going to hear from Sarah. <coughs> Loving all our heart, mind, and soul, and loving our neighbour as ourselves. And I think trying to live sustainably is a way to live this out. It's an act of worship, it's an act of praise um, to show God that we are grateful for His creation to, uh, for us. And in terms of loving our neighbour as ourselves, my neighbour isn't just the person who lives next door to me. My neighbours are far and wide across the world, and there are communities, especially poor communities, who are already living with the day-to-day impact of global uh, environmental crisis. I I don't want my actions, our actions, to add to that. I I want to try and make a a positive change. So a while ago, we were blessed with the opportunity to buy a small electric car, and we've also got solar panels. Um, We're aware that this doesn't just solve the problem because we have these two things. We need to use these things carefully and responsibly. So, for example, we use the dishwasher during the day. I try to use the washing machine just on sunny days. I don't have a tumble dryer. Um, We've got a green energy provider for when the solar panels aren't producing enough energy. And um, we're really blessed in that when there is a really sunny day, enough energy is generated to produce all of our hot water, which is really great. And our car, I really try to use that responsibility responsibly. I don't want to just pop to the shop, pop here, pop there. I try and do lots of jobs in one trip and I really try and make an effort to offer lifts to other people so that we're car sharing, which I think are things you can do when you've got any kind of vehicle anyway, um, both Mike and I have opted to uh, work as locally as possible so we haven't got a big commute and actually Mike um, still cycles to work when he can. We feel it's a a mind shift from being entitled to do exactly what we want to trying to steward and use our blessings carefully in a responsible way. So other things that I have personally done are trying to gradually, I'm eating less and less meat and it has been hard and it is difficult in terms of catering for a family but I feel this can make uh, an impact and also I'm really passionate about buying as much as I can secondhand which again is a challenge because I can't just click online and get it delivered but I want to more and more give up new things and reuse things that would otherwise go to landfill and at the same time if they're from charity shops it's donation to charity it feels like a a win-win situation so we as a church are so blessed because we know that god loves us and i think a great way to show other people who are not in church is trying to change our impact on the environment to let god's love shine through our actions in trying to live sustainably I think overall I'm excited to see how as a church we're going to move forward step by step to changing our behaviour and our approach to living environmentally friendly. Thank you Sarah for sharing that and isn't that fantastic? Isn't it so good to hear how somebody's heart, their heart was changed by this fundamental call to steward the earth well and then that led to actions Actions which are worship, just as worshipful as the songs that we have sung this morning. And at this point, I could continue on from Sarah's video and go into a whole list of 
to-dos. We should do this, we should do that, we should do that. For one thing, the list would be far too vast and varied to even go there. But also, like I said, I want to go, I believe God is asking us, what, what, what is in our hearts? What's in our hearts? Because it will be from the overflow of that that we choose to change actions or we choose not to. So for that, we're going to have a look at two quick guiding principles that we can find from those verses in Genesis. And the first of them is this. God calls us to steward with the concepts of care and capital. God asks us to care for this world. Or depending on the translation of the Bible you have, you might find the word keep it. This word, when you look at its roots and its origin, has a guarding aspect to it. Like a watchman in the old days would have watched over a valuable place or a valuable thing. That's the kind of root that this is getting at. And you recall how I said this place is valuable to God. God's asked us to watch over, to guard, to protect this earth. That is his instruction to us. We are his watchmen and watchwomen, looking over what is of great importance and value to him. But not only has he asked us to do this, he also asks us to work it. And within that, therefore, is an implied sense that as you work something, there's a biblical theme throughout the Bible that you expect a return for your labor. As you sow, you should reap. And actually, that's not wrong. As we sow into the world, we should expect it to yield uh, crops for us. It should have climates where we can live. Those things are not wrong. But the reason I raise this point about capital and return from this earth is how often do we put those things side by side? God doesn't say put care in or have capital. He says do both. And I know for me, certainly, I all too often expect the capital bit I expect to be able to take from this earth with very little regard for the care that I put into it. So as we consider stewarding and how we should steward, we need to steward expecting capital as we put care into this earth. And the second principle is this word rule. People don't always like this. And if you have another um, translation, you might find the word dominion. It has, a really, um, it has a really negative connotation now in our context and our society. It so often makes you think of oppressive rule and rule through power and exertion of force. But actually, again, when we look back at the Hebrew word rodor in the Old Testament, we find that this is often used to describe a king or a queen's rule and reign. So to get this negative connotation out of our heads, because God has asked us to rule, we need to consider the best kingly rule and reign that we know of. And that means Jesus. Jesus is our example of ruling and having dominion perfectly. He came to this earth and did not exert military force. Instead, the God that we worship humbled himself. He walked amongst those he came to save. He took on the lowest jobs, washing the feet of the disciples that he loved. His triumphant entry 
was on a donkey. So how are we called to steward this earth well? We follow Jesus. And my suggestion is, we make decisions that are costly. As I've thought about this topic, and it's really stirred me reading through these scriptures and dwelling on them a lot, I've come to realize that so often my choices, which don't steward this earth well, come back to comfort and convenience. I choose the easy road, not the hard road that Jesus chose. Instead of buying things secondhand, I'll buy things new because it's quicker and easier to click and have Amazon deliver it for me. If I'm tired and I don't want to recycle well, I can just chuck it all in one bin. That's the easier road. When I want to get here quickly because I'm not planned well enough, it's far easier to jump in my car than it is to walk, cycle, or get the bus. I take the easy road because of comfort and convenience. But when we think about ruling, we are to follow our ruler, and we are to follow the example that Jesus sets for each of us. Jan, do you want to come up with the band? So like I said, I'm not going to say change your behavior and copy everything Sarah does, as great as that would be. Because at the end of the day, that's behavior modification. That's not what God is after. God is after our hearts. Then he's after our actions. I don't have a list of to-dos for you. Do this, do that, and everything will be better. I'm here to ask that God would come. That God would come and that he would change our hearts. My assumption is that most Christians in the room probably fundamentally agree with what I've said. That actually there's a recognition that we are to steward the earth. But my question, therefore, is how have we taken this to heart, church? How have we taken the biblical call to steward this earth to heart? And how does it impact us on a daily basis? So as we get ready to sing a song of response, I just want to pray. I want to pray and I want to get us back to that point of humility that we were at earlier. So I'd ask you to close your eyes and I just want to spend a few moments praying as we respond to what we've heard this morning. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you give us your instruction. I thank you that your word is full of helping us live in a way that pleases you, that is right before you and honors you. And Lord, as we have heard this morning that we are called to steward this earth, I ask, would you help us? Would you help us humble ourselves? Lord God, would we recognize that you hold this earth in the palm of your hand? It is yours. But also, Lord, you have asked us. You've asked us to take care of it. So Lord, for those of us for whom this feels like new information, would you change our hearts where we, where we know that we are doing things that hurt this earth and damage it? Lord, would you show us?
and to those of us who know this fundamentally in our heads, but forget it day by day, action by action. Lord, would you bring this to mind? Not that we become obsessive about it, not that we reach extreme lengths about it, but actually that we steward well, that we guard what you've given us to care for, to rule over, to subdue, and to love just like you have loved us by putting us here. Lord, I ask this morning, come and search us by your Holy Spirit. Help our hearts be turned back to you in this call. And help us change our actions as a result of having hearts that change before you. Amen.